Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we have a guest uh, interview. Uh, his name is Kuba. I don't want to. Uh, Kuba sounds Kuba. absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. And my, my surname is, yeah, sorry, it might be a difficult one. It's pronounced Polkowski, but Polkowski. I think it's just. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that just by hearing that you can tell where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. You are a gamer uh, and you made a game, but where did you get started gaming? Was it, uh, were you a kid? Were you in college? How, how did that come about? Well, I come from a gaming house, basically. I've been taught how to play simple card games when I was in kindergarten, I think, you know, starting with war and then moving up to, to more difficult games and probably topping it up with bridge at some point when I was like 13 or, or 14. But my grandmas, my grandfathers, my parents would always play cards with me. There were always some board games uh, around the house, starting with Monopoly and Talisman and things like that. And then sometime, I think I was like, 10 uh someone showed me this uh really fun idea for a game uh so you just you can you can tell those stories and you can interact with whoever is telling them and the game was called warhammer and i was like "Ooh, that sounds cool and what do you do there well you know you can be a dwarf and you can be a i don't know a dragon slayer like oh right let's do it and that's how it started and so that was almost 30 years ago um so i played a lot of warhammer and then i moved on to call of cthulhu and word of darkness because back then it was werewolf vampire and mage that were available around where i was um and then i found out about cyberpunk and then moved on to fading suns wow and then I became a proper teenager and all the games stopped being important at all. It was all about, you know, sports and girls and, and just having fun. And I and I basically stopped playing anything. Wow. Uh, but then in 2011, my uh, my youngest, my, my oldest girl was born. And uh, at about that time, me and my wife were already together. Uh, we used to party a lot and we used to have an open house and just, you know, uh, going out and, and do stuff. But then when she got pregnant, it, it was kind of, we couldn't do that anymore because, you know, she's pregnant and we need to be responsible parents and everything. <laughs> and someone, and someone showed me this, this thing, which I thought was, you know, um, that must be for kids because who in their same mind being an adult would play a board game called Carcassonne. And I was like, okay, but let's try it out. And we fell in love, both of us, with board games. So we started playing board games. And now it, I, I work at a board game publishing house uh, called Board and Dice. And uh, yeah, I'm talking to you from from Essen, from Spiel, uh, the, the, the largest trade show for board games in the world. And uh, when, my, when my kid, when my girl was three or four, I, I recalled on that fun thing that I did, was, which was called role-playing games. And I thought that maybe instead of just, uh, you know, telling her bedtime stories, we could do something a bit more interactive. So I, I grabbed a D6 from a box of whatever board game I had. And I told her that, okay, so she will be a cat. There is this, there is this girl who's asleep. And the cat needs to protect her from, I don't know, the bad animals or the nightmares that are coming. And let's say that his tail will be uh it's tail will be its magic and its legs will be its agility and its head will be its wisdom and we'll assign a three a four and a five to each of them and when you roll it when you want to do something you can roll a die and if you if you roll at least uh 
their 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 skill number, you can do that. And that's how it started. So a week later, I was like, oh my god, RPGs were really good. So I invited over a friend of mine who who's been playing all the time, and he's always loved Legend of the Five Rings. So um, he he was the GM was for that, and then Game of Thrones. What was the name of that system? Songs of Fire and Ice, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And then I just went straight back in, and you know now I have like a full bookcase full of. Uh, Everything Cthulhu and um, and and oh, I mean it it went fast and deep and and I was a bit crazy but yeah since I would say 2014 uh, after like 15 year uh, maybe 10 year uh, long break I came back to role playing and uh, I've been doing a lot of that lately. <laughs> oh wow! So you know usually uh, you're right. People do play a lot when they're young and then they go away from it for a while. And then come back to it somehow. You know, I know people that done that. I've never stopped playing. So I was always playing. My brothers were around, uh, my brother and my friends. And we've maintained that relationship for a long time. So now does, does your does your whole family play? Does your wife play and your kids? So the kids play. Uh, my older my older daughter, who is now 11, she will play anything scary. So she will play your Call of Cthulhu. She will make me run Stranger Things uh, for her based on whatever uh, mechanics there is. Uh, she will play anything about vampires, zombies. She just, she just, you know, likes to be afraid from time to time, and she, she loves that. So Call of Cthulhu is our, I think, uh, family uh, thing go to. My wife is still more on the board game side, but hey, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Board uh, <laughs> games are good. I. I me and my wife play a ton of board games. Uh, we go to local conventions here, not obviously as big as Essen, but uh, in fact, I have friends that are at Essen right now. They're, you know, my one of my friends. He posts every day all the games that he buys. Yeah. Uh, every day, so I'm like, dude, you, just, you already have like three, four hundred <laughs> games. But he's, you know, he's he says they're pretty cheap, and it's, you know, he's really excited about being there. Well, I, I mean, he, he needs to be careful because uh, I know. Nowadays, I have about 900 board games at home <laughs> and probably about 500 RPG books. So wow. it, it can go a bit out of hand if, you, if you're not careful enough. Oh, yeah. I know. My Saul has about four or five bookcases full of RPG books. So That's mm. over the long years. I mean, it's not like... Uh, uh, and you, of course, used and read each and every almost, one of them, almost, right? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> He's working through them. I'm trying. I'm trying. You were playing. You kind of get out of it. You're back in. And then do you uh, when when did you get the job that you have now that you're in the board in the gaming business? I think it was something 2016. Um, so my entire after you went back to start playing games. Oh yeah, obviously okay. because uh, that was a result of that. Oh, I was wow. my 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 professional career was um, I was a copywriter at various marketing agencies. So I basically wrote a lot and invented stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, I was getting more and more into board games. And uh, at some point, my, my wife started um, a Polish vlog on board games. So we were getting more and more into the industry. And at some point, our friends from Board and Dice came and said, hey, you want to work for us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, and, sounds like um, a pretty cool uh not a dream job, but pretty close, I think. No, I mean, I was perfect. I mean, I started off as a, their marketing manager, and then I moved on to doing various different things. Like, 
I was doing even production and logistics for a long time. I was the art director. Uh, and, you know, um, it's uh, it's an amazing job. And uh, you get to meet so many people in the industry and so many. You know how board games industry is? It's such an open-minded group of people. I call them my tribe. It's like I go to a convention, I walk in, I take a deep breath, and I know I'm home. <laughs> whether it's, you know, whether it's Gen Con or Essen or a very small local convention for 100 people who just gathered to play heavy games or an RPG meeting, you know that you are around people who appreciate things that are cool, imaginative. It's, I mean, we are all born to have fun just not all of us know that yet but everybody has that spark in them right 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 i i agree i agree i i we go to cons all the time we go to three more or less every year every time we go it's like you know you meet people that you don't see except for going to conventions and it's like it's like a totally different group of people that or friends and maybe even like a family that, that like you said a tribe you go back yeah. and you read hey how you been and it's all so this. so meeting those people that you've met via board games or role-playing games is great but you've met them somehow right at some point you yeah. went to a convention you smiled you looked around and there was this this guy or this girl and you said hey you want to play a game and they said yeah sure and now you've been friends for eight years i mean yeah, yeah. that's amazing that i mean that's that's what i love the games industry for yeah in fact yeah i, I uh I know quite a few people who who I ran a game and they were in my game and then we did just you know we keep seeing each other after years and years and, that, and yeah we know each other quite a, you know quite well exactly. and our our son has grown up going to all the conventions so right. everybody's seen him grow up and they all <laughs> so it's pretty totally cool. my daughter is the same is like you know we go she has uncles and aunties in many different <laughs> mm-hmm. places in the world and she's like oh we haven't seen uncle pablo for for a long time when are we gonna meet him well the same time every year <laughs> like, exactly oh. and yeah that's amazing yeah it's pretty cool so you're in a game industry you play game board games and role-playing games did you ever run games did you did you were you ever a gm yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I've been running a lot of games, especially for uh, my kid, but also oh, for right. my friends. Uh, so, you know, I've been running a lot of Call of Cthulhu scenarios. Uh, I've been running a lot of... Um, I, I've run campaigns for my friends like I know, Mood Under Zero or Alien or or some other games, uh, which are... I, I do run a lot on Freeform Universal, which is like a very simplistic uh, role-playing system. You have those D6s that um, they say, when you roll a D6, you always I ask a, a question starting with um, if... If I mean whether will I will I manage to jump over that river? You roll a D six and it says yes and yes yes but uh, no but no no and, which means basically that when you're trying to jump over that that river and you roll a yes but you did manage to jump over it but you've lost your sword or whatever right. or you've lo- or you rolled no and which means not only you have not managed to jump over the river but when you're jumping. You also managed to trip your friend and you're both down in the water now. So it's a super simple system that um, basically allows me to run all those Harry Potter games or, or Stranger Things or whatever that there is no dedicated um, game for. And, uh, you know, if you if you want to just have 
fun for an hour or two hours i always have those two dice with me <laughs> and whenever there are people you know like 1 a.m uh everybody's <laughs> having beers and okay let's go to bed or maybe we could play an rpg ha 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 i mean yeah we could <laughs> and 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 i did that last summer when we were on this gaming holidays i just took those two dice out and said hey you want to play resident evil like yeah let's do that and we just played for two hours you know very brief and very action full of action scenario when they were when they had to get into a lab to find you know a vaccine for this deadly viruses or whatsoever so yeah i run a lot i do like playing too just uh, it's quite often it's harder to find a gm than um than players so quite often it's just i'm just like hey i bought this book i've read it maybe you want to play it <laughs> and this way i get to i get to run a lot of weird games but not often to play them for example bedlam hall i don't know if you if you know bedlam hall no uh basically it's a game when where you're all playing servants of a very posh family which is a bit weird okay uh imagine playing being servants uh, in in adam's family house Basically, it's it's almost like this. Like, and the game is a bit um, player versus player because you always try not to be the one that the the master or, or or the family is mad at. Right. So you know somebody broke the vase, and that was a very special vase because Uncle George has been there for the last 40 years and he's been sitting at us at the table because this family is a bit weird so <laughs> now you know the lady of the house is quite mad who's done that and we're just trying to i mean i was there but i wasn't technically going past the table it's super fun so i recommend it highly it's just uh, <laughs> it's just weird as hell but it's really good it's weird as hell. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool i like the idea of these dice that just give you uh, narrative ideas of you know just, oh yeah, yeah totally that's all it is I mean, to be honest, I, I have troubles um, running proper, like, written scenarios because I, I always feel that I have this need to show the players everything that's there. So I'm, I'm trying, I mean, I kind of get overwhelmed by that and I feel guilty if I didn't show them everything that was there to see. <laughs> uh, so I usually prefer to run scenarios based on, for example, players' expectations, like... Um, when I played that Resident Evil uh, game, I said, hey, guys, so what is one thing you would like to see in the next Resident Evil movie? And they said weird things. One of them said a kangaroo. The other one said airplane crash. Somebody said a microscope. Somebody said something else and something else. And that gives me and that gave me an idea, OK, what we can do. And uh, and then when I oh, sorry. No Should worries. I repeat anything I said? Uh, yeah, go yes. ahead and repeat that stuff From about the kangaroo. The kangaroo. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, some the, the kangaroo shows up because uh, it, it gave me an idea that maybe the lab that they are going to run is, uh, I mean, that is going to rob from that vaccine was testing the vaccine on animals. So there were many weird and twisted animals in that i mean it, it set up a whole scene or two because of somebody's idea of a kangaroo in the resident <laughs> evil movie right right that's that's much easier for me to run games like that oh yeah yeah and especially if you have like a you're really good at coming up with things uh, on the fly as as i guess you are it makes it easier to run a game that way because you're not impeded by whatever is on it no you don't need all these notes you don't need all these maps I mean, I'm not saying that no prep games are uh, better, but for me, there are 
very often easier to run, especially if you're doing a one-shot game. Because right. if you're doing a one-shot game and you want to to prepare yourself using a scenario that has been pre-written by someone, well, you have to read those 40 to 60 pages. You have to remember what was there. You maybe have to prepare some handouts. Maybe you want to, and this is all great. I mean, this will be a great experience, very immersive and everything. But nowadays, it's it's sometimes very, very hard to find time to do that. And I think that role-playing games, they're, they're, their biggest, well, let's not call it an issue, but the, the biggest thing that stops people from running uh, games, like being a GM, is the fact that it's so time-consuming. If you want to do it, great. Because I have a feeling that very often people have this imperative in them that, oh my God, if I'm running a game, it must be the best game ever played. I mean, this must be the game session of their lives. And I'm like, well, yes, it could be, and it would be fantastic if it is. <laughs> but if it's not, you all gonna have fun anyway, right? Yeah. So just dive gonna, in, relax, and play is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, we I, as a kid when we were when I was younger, I didn't have that that in the back of my head about oh, I gotta run this great game. We just played. There was there was no there was no. I don't think we were so uh, pent up or worried about things like that. I think it's a but, you know, as a kid, you know, you, you don't think about things as much. I don't think. Yeah, but maybe when we're adults, we just lose this uh, this this drive for just fun. And we start worrying about if we were, I don't know, professional enough or, or good enough. Am I good enough to run a role-playing game? Yes, you are. I mean, by all means, you are. I mean, yeah. it, are, are you are you're comparing yourself to whom exactly? To, to a person you've seen on YouTube? Well, they run it that way, but maybe you want to do it differently, or maybe you want to repeat what they did. No worries. I mean, you're not a great actress or actor. Well, that's fine. I mean, you don't have to be. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so you're playing games and you're working for a company, and you, where did this idea for your game come from? And uh, so the name of the game is I, Touched by the Gods. Touched by the Gods. And was it, was it, uh, was it an idea that you had rolling around in your head for a long time, or yes. was it a, a yeah? So it was. Was it a campaign in another incarnation, like from Dun Dungeons and Dragons? Though you mentioned you didn't mention Dungeons and Dragons in your history, there you rolled. I didn't, <laughs> and and I and I there is a reason for that. I just very rarely play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so let's let, or any other fantasy game. I mean, you could have you could have been using the Warhammer rules for your game or whatever. But uh, so, how did this uh, uh, "Touched by the Gods" come about? You said it was been mulling around in your head for a while. So, so basically, um, I had this idea a long time ago to do this game about um, mortals that's been uh, about about our world, about I don't know Europe or or North America or South America or whatever. But I wanted to start with Europe because you know this is where I'm from and I, I understand this 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 world and. I know it's history and so on. So I wanted it to be set in, in a real world. Of course, twisted a bit. Uh, so it's like alternative history kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been, and I was thinking about this game about mortals and that there are gods out there. And, uh, you know, every tribe and every folk in, uh, in Europe uh, had different system of beliefs and different pantheon of gods. You had the ancient Greece, then ancient Rome, then you had the the Slavs, the the Germans. I mean, the Scandinavians, the Celts in the UK, and so on, so on, so on. 
So I was thinking, okay, so I can do something about slabs because I'm from here, and <laughs> I um, I know that uh, that works. I I want them I want the mortals to be around. I want them to have some connection with the gods, but I also want them to die horribly, because <laughs> this is something I always. I mean, when I whenever I'm creating a character for for a role playing game, and this is something my friends usually laugh at me is, I the first thing I wonder is how would they die? What will be the end of them? Okay, so he will die fighting this this bar fight, and he will be basically stabbed with a broken bottle. Okay, I know. I think I this will be a detective, and he'll be a bit harsh, but maybe he will really like kids. Uh, but he will have very short temper, and uh, he will get into fights often. Okay, now I have an idea for a character. Cool. And now I can just build it up with whatever system offers. So I wanted to do that. Uh, I wanted them to have an opportunity to have a really nasty and ugly death. So I, I thought that it would be great if they were touched by the gods and they this divine spark was put in them, but they're just humans. They're merely, you know, imperfect vessels. And, um, and well, and I, and at some point, even the, even though they're heroes, they will die. And um, then I got Mutant Year Zero um, rule book in my hands. And oh my gosh, I mean, this was amazing. It was, it was one of the greatest reads in my role playing games history. <laughs> the book is written so well. Yeah. And it, it reads just like a normal book. And um, and then I run the, the campaign from Mutant Year Zero. And then I played. Alien and Vessen and other games, Tales from the Tales from the Loop. I'm actually um, in Poland. Uh, they published uh, Tales from the Loop and Tales Tales from the Flood, and they and I was the author of the Polish setting oh, for wow. those two games. So basically, in in Polish version, in Polish edition of Tales from the Loop and Tales from the Flood, you have the the Swedish and the the American setting, and then there is a Polish one. So I oh, did that. Cool. Uh, and I, I really enjoy your zero engine as a mechanism because it's so simple. You just roll those dice, you look for sixes, you don't like it, you push the roll, you roll again. Are there any ones? Yes. Oops. And um, and and that's super cool. And I love the stress system in in Alien. I yeah. don't know if you played Alien. Oh, yeah. You yeah, did. yeah. So I really like it, and I really like how. I mean, I, I because I like the idea of characters dying in games. Um, I like I like thinking about games as of movies and and I like scenes which are very cinematic and I like good movie endings which are usually bad endings. I mean, in Alien in 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 the first movie, the fact that it ends as it ends. I mean, imagine having a movie called uh, you know Eighth Passenger of Nostromo, and everybody survives. I mean, that would be a dull one, right? <laughs> but having Sigourney Weaver being the only one that comes out of it and the cat, you're like, yeah, that was good. So that that's what I want to play. I mean, we can all die, but somebody somebody survives and goes on. That's that's fun. Um, so yeah, and then the the stress in Alien gives so much fun and and allows you to fail forward in 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 such incredible way. I right. mean, it's like you're your hands start to tremble. Ooh, great. Am I carrying a gun? No, you're not anymore. And I'm like, yay. I mean, that's just, that's just good. So I thought that using that kind of um, 
this is like a slider kind of thing because yeah. your, your your stress level can be at zero or at four and then go back to two because you've done something to reduce it and so on so on so i like this idea i like the idea of then the zero d6 system with those sixes which are successes and and ones that can do bad things to you so i thought i'm gonna mix it a bit and um, now in touch by the gods you have such a such a slider which is your divine level and basically the more you the more you draw from this divine spark the the, the the more you allow the god within you to act then your divine level goes up and at first it's good you're stronger you're faster you can jump higher and you know do better things but then the cost comes and so when you cross i don't know six or seven on the slider it rapidly starts declining and you start doing stuff you don't really want to and it ends up with you turning into something absolutely abominable or dying a horrible death most likely taking all your entire crew with you or most of them and so when you're truly divine people around you start basically slowly backing off because they don't really know when it's gonna happen and uh so you can, whenever you push a roll, your divine level goes up because you just decided, okay, it didn't work out. So I'm going to just mm, focus and, and do it again. Uh, <laughs> but the god that touched you um, also wants some stuff from you. So in game, it's called biddings. So if you follow those biddings, you will be at the end of the session rewarded by you know reducing your divine level by one, two or three points. And basically, so this is, what you want but the biddings might very often be contradictory to what you want to do in the game because there is a goal of a campaign of a scenario of your crew of your teams and but the god says yeah yeah but you shouldn't you should go there not there right you're like mm, should i follow the bidding and not die terribly just yet or maybe i should actually help my team do stuff so there are cool decisions there which uh, i find quite entertaining <laughs> no, yeah, I, I can as, as cruel as it sounds <laughs> well you know what's funny is that uh that you're right i think uh there's what the was what the group wants to do and then if you're all touched by a, a certain god or different gods they have oh, their yeah. own, they have their own agenda right they, they don't care yep. about your you know your mundane decisions and stuff but but it's not like in alien where your agendas are setting you to play player versus player right, right i mean right. i really love alien but I mean, now I want only to play Marines because <laughs> I played a couple of scenarios with player versus player agendas. And the last time it happened, at the end of a three session com mini campaign, uh, I had to take a face hugger and put it over my best friend's <laughs> face. And we haven't played together since. And that was like three years ago, right? Oh my God. And, and, and it's not because she's mad at me <laughs> or no. I'm I, something like that. It's just because just guilt in me is just too i i can't i can't i mean oh, no That's that terrible. was that was a terrible i mean and that was following my agenda it was it was right. all good and in game it was absolutely fitting i hate myself for that and i will hate till i die <laughs> so uh no i don't I, I i want to play more alien but but only the that marines uh campaign i haven't played it yet but no i, I haven't I either I, I run it i've run it at uh at conventions and and of course, they're all different every time. Even though I ran the same adventure, and I came up with my own one, and that was really different too. But 
but it is like uh, the agendas are really uh, evil, right? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- th- you always get that look at that person going, "What are you? What?" And it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's no. It. Here, the agendas are more. You know, th- those gods, those Slavic gods, are quite. I would say uh, something between Viking gods and Greek gods, because well, this is pretty much the same region. Okay. So you will have a goddess of Huns, and you will have this smith god of artisans, and so on, and so on. But if you have a bidding from Giovanna, who is the goddess of Huns, and she wants you to basically hunt stuff all the time, because that's one of the biddings that you that you draw, and you've drew you've drawn that that you need to basically control the population of the forest, and you just must hunt for things, and you just happen to be in this sacred grove, <laughs> well, yeah, and the team is here to protect it all, and you're like. Huh. Well, protection. Let's discuss what protection means exactly. Yeah. yeah? So you the setting is is what period? You said it's it's, it's I would say it's something um basically it's the first millennium that could have been. Right. That's how we call it. So I would say it's about 500 600 AD okay. uh in in central Europe. So it's uh the Romans are gone. Uh but the Christian civilization hasn't settled in yet. It's it's long, long far away because for this region it's about 1000 AD. So it's all that happens in between, uh, which means the basically tribes, separate tribes, uh wild the wild, which is basically a huge forest covering half of Europe at that time, really. Um, there is you know a variety of landscapes because you have high rocky mountains and and valleys with and and lake districts and rivers and everything and it's all overgrown with forests so human settlements are rather scarce and uh, and going into the wild especially at night might be a dumb idea because apart from the deities uh, the slabs back then in the pre-viking era they also believed in a lot of mystical and magical creatures uh, tons of them uh, like uh, those uh, water demons that would beautiful girls and boys sitting at the sides of ponds and waiting for you to come and join them and have a drink of this refreshing cool water and then biting into you and droning <laughs> you or uh yes which is like a huge form changing demon that can become that can look like a dog or can be a proper beast and so on and so on and you have you know uh, different kinds of vampires and different kinds of tree spirits and and many weird creatures and beings that are there. Some of them that can communicate with humans and even sometimes mix with them. And I mean, if you if you played The Witcher, the video game, then you you roughly get the idea of what kind of beings you can you can meet in the wild. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is just. Uh, this is just uh, Europe that could have been, and maybe it was like that. We just forgot about it. Who knows? Yeah, right, right. Sounds good. I, I I like the idea that you place it in in your kind of like your background, right? You know, you your where where you grew up or in that area of Europe that you know. Uh, I think that's pretty neat. I think uh, those kind of perspectives are are pretty cool to to explore because you know the whole Western you know D D and D perspective is so dominant that it's good to see other places and other different kinds of myths and and different kinds of uh of uh, oh yeah stories totally are, are interesting totally i have a friend from sweden who i've been talking to who said yeah you know if we're doing touch by the gods uh you know in ragnarok then count me in i want to write it and i'm like <laughs> yep yep totally i mean of course i mean who would write about it if not a person from there right because 
I mean, don't take me wrong. I don't I don't have any problem in, in writing stuff about other places and other cultures. But for for the past decade, I think um, the perspective of game publishers and game creators have fortunately changed. And we all have learned a lot, I think. And one of the biggest lessons I, I think I've got from it is just like you have to respect other cultures, not only by being nice to them, but also by letting them tell their stories by themselves. Right. And that's why if I'm if I if this happens and uh, and we think about another standalone game, if I ever I don't know think of doing a uh, a game about I don't know Aztec or or Mayan uh, culture, I mean I would not be the writer of that obviously because that would make no sense, right? Right. If I'm doing a, I don't know Japanese version or or, or or Nubian, it wouldn't be me. It would be someone who who knows their story and and wants to share it because yeah, that's that's the right way. <laughs> right, I agree. I I totally agree. You, I was looking at your your what is it the quick start rules kind of or your yeah, yeah. rules, and you know your art is pretty amazing. I mean, uh, how I, I guess you're connected somehow because uh, I know not everybody who has a Kickstarter is this your first first Kickstarter. That's my first Kickstarter. Yeah, so so yeah. the art is pretty amazing. I mean, uh, for a first time Kickstarter, you know, usually you have, you know, some line art, you know, that looks okay, but yeah. this is really nice. I mean, it's yeah. I've been, as I said, I've been uh, an art director at Board and Dice for a long time now. Uh, I sorry. and I got to meet a lot of amazing artists, and one of them who is Oleg Zavada, uh, he is the author of those uh, of those arts, is one of the most professional and. And, and and best artists I've ever worked with. Uh, he works fast. He works according to the brief. He has his own ideas, which are not surreal. And uh, he can add so much to the project uh, he's working on that I recommend everybody working with him. Uh, <laughs> he's been doing work for Chaosium. He's been work, doing work for Board and Dice. And he is one talented guy. Here I have hired him to work basically in regular time between nine and five, and oh, then wow. go to your family. And you know, <laughs> no, no, that was all decent. Cool, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. And I and I and I agree. His art is is beautiful. It's just really nice. I don't. Well, I have, I've, him. I've not seen a. I've not seen a Kickstarter. There's very few Kickstarters that have that kind of nice art. You know, when they first start publishing. Thank so, you. So, congrats on that. So your Kickstarter, you decided to go on Kickstarter. There's all kinds of other platforms, but obviously Kickstarter, I think, is probably the most popular, the one that most people use. Uh, I know it best, basically, yeah. because I've been at Board and Dice. We've run like I don't know over thirty successful campaigns, and oh, wow. I just, I just knew how to work with Kickstarter. I, we've done one campaign as Board and Dice on GameFound, but I don't really know the tools of GameFound, but I really do understand how Kickstarter works. And I've never worked with Indiegogo, so right. that wouldn't be my first choice. So yeah, Kickstarter it is. Right, right. How long is your campaign? It was 17 days. Now I think it's six or five days till the end. So okay. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's gonna gonna fund and that we're gonna have a fun game. Cool. I hope so because it sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we we play a we play a lot of games because I keep buying more and more games. So, oh, what don't you say? Really, <laughs> would never so, guess that. I have a lot of games in my library, but I also what I do is I don't have a I don't run like you. I buy the games, 
I go, and this is a game I would really like to play in. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I bought the game, so I'm the one responsible for running the game. So that's what usually happens for, to me too. And what happens also is that because I'm always continually buying games and I kind of like, oh, this is a new game. I usually like, you know, I don't run campaigns. I run a lot of one shots or short adventures. And I'm always jumping from one game to another. So I'm really uh, happy for you that you could actually run like three year art campaigns and stuff like that, which is pretty rare for me. Uh, I think that's pretty neat. I was thinking about asking about a golden age of your of your role playing experience. For me, I think it was when I was younger because I didn't have work right and the school was like easy right school was you know eight to three o'clock and weekends off all the time and all summers off uh but you you seem like you had like a double golden age right because you played yep. quite a bit when you were young and then yep. and then when your kid is born and this is funny because most people stop playing when their kids are born because oh i have responsibilities but instead it's like it brought you back to gaming because you couldn't totally. do all these partying things that you wild yep. parties and stuff. And uh, and now you have board game parties and stuff like that. And yeah, gatherings. totally. <laughs> and, and role playing is uh, is such a natural thing for kids. I mean, people think that kids will not understand role playing games. I mean, kids are playing role playing games. Actually, they're playing LARPs. Yes. Since they are, they they start talking basically. I mean, <laughs> yeah. playing house is nothing else than a LARP. It's just right. as maybe have structure, but they do know how to play roles, right? Right. Oh yeah. And I re- I remember as a, as a kid, you know, in the United States, cops and robbers is a big deal. Yeah, totally. And then uh, and then when after we saw Star Wars, we were always chasing each other with our imaginary lightsabers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Star Wars, Robin Hood, uh, King Arthur, princesses dragons castles i know you name it and yes yes kids are playing role-playing games so when when you if you if you meet a kid that is five years old or or older just just play games with them and and role-playing games are fabulous for that of course when you're playing with a five-year-old you have to understand that their <laughs> basically attention span will be 30 minutes at most right but seven-year-old you will be able to play an hour or an hour and a half and 11 years old kids, well, you can play for three hours and you're good. And yeah, and then there's no limit to that. Right. And the easiest way is just to ask them, what's your favorite movie? You say right. Star Wars, you're like, sure, great. I have a game for you here. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I, I started with my son when he was about four. And uh, people are amazed because it was just me and him. And it was super. And the reason I, I, I did it because he was always wanting to play with us at the table, right? And my wife would call it the big boys. He goes, oh, no, you can't play with the big boys, right? And he was tiny. He was like two, three years old. And he's there sitting on the table. My friends would let him roll the dice for him and stuff like that. So he was very excited. But he wanted to play with us. And I'm like, I don't want to diminish his his interest in the game, right? So I go, well, you know, let's play with just me and you. And that's what we did. We played. I played with him real simple. I wanted him to count the, the pips on the dice. And, mm-hmm. and it, it turned yeah. in, and then his friends came and I expanded it to like a Star Wars game. I made up my right. own rules and stuff and it was super neat. It was just super neat. And now, you know, he plays, he still plays role-playing games. He goes to conventions with us, uh, even though he's uh, 19, going to be turning 19. Yeah. And my wife is like, you know, she just says, I'm just so happy that he still wants to go to conventions and play games with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? It's like, w- w- what better of a childhood can we give them if not full of fun and i mean my my girl reads lots of books now yeah why is that so maybe because she wants to learn all the stories that she hasn't heard yet and because we've just stirred up that curiosity in her and 
yeah, let's do that. Let's let's make our kids curious. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you want to add anything that we haven't asked you? Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, I'm just super happy that you that you had me, and uh, it was. Uh, I'm super super happy that we had this opportunity, and uh, you seem like people uh, who I who I would love to play some role playing games sometime <laughs> in the future. So I hope that we see each other on a convention and get a chance to play something. Or nowadays, yeah, that'd be cool. Do you play online yeah, at all? Because I oh yeah yeah. Maybe yeah. we can hook up, you know, one day for for an online play of something, and maybe I will get not to run it, or maybe you will get not to run it, and that will be like a fantastic <laughs> thing. You can we can play twice. I will run one of your yeah, games. You will run you one of my games. I mean, one of the that we have go. on the shelves. You're like, oh, right. I always wanted to play that, and I will just say, okay, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna run it for you, so and you know, I'm, I'm sure we have a couple, a little bit of overlap. Yeah, on that one. fabulous on the bookshelves. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, you know, your busy SN uh, convention time. I'm super happy that you had time uh, in the morning to do that. Thank you. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're having fun. I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's. It, I, I know it's like the biggest convention there is, right? I forget how many people go there. But it. But it's. Real, I've heard it's a little different. Like it's not really like a. Is it a gaming convention? Because do people actually game so there? So American conventions are a bit different than European ones. Yeah. This is more like a trade show. But every publisher right. here has uh, tables for demos. Um, but usually you don't get to play the entire game. You just sit down for, for example, you know, rules explanation in one round of a game. And after that, you right. should leave because there is a line of people waiting to to play, right? <laughs> so there is there is no, for example, uh, game room. There is no like big gaming room where everybody right. sits and plays. Uh -huh, no, yeah. everybody plays in their hotel rooms and so on. But it's it's much more dispersed. It's not like you have a convention with one huge hotel and everybody plays there. No, no, no. Everybody lives right. like gets a hotel in between one hour to 10 minutes drive from the fur. And yeah, that's, that's different, but I am actually, right. I very appreciate, I really appreciate the fact that I could come here because all the buzz, the convention buzz is around there. And now I can just sit and talk to one person without hearing that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Thank you. So you need a little time to decompress yeah. a little bit. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. And good luck on your Kickstarter. We'll try to get this out before we'll soon. I'll try to get yeah. that probably to the so, end of the day. Fabulous. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, okay. It was a great pleasure. So, Thank you. Take care. It was great to meet you. Nice talking to you, Kubo. Okay. Um, this is Gaming Perspectives with, with Saul Angeline. And you have a good day. Thank you so much. Thanks Bye. a lot.